The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. So just start by finding a comfortable seat, whether you're sitting on a chair or on the floor or on the couch, wherever it is. Just simply try to sit upright and nice and straight. Keep the back nice and straight and the head raised. Whatever posture is most comfortable for you. And just before you start, you can make the intention that in these next few minutes that you'll actually determine to put everything down, any kind of concerns or problems that you may have, any potential distractions that could be around your phone, email, whatever it is, just put it all aside for now. You can turn your phone and your communication devices off besides this communication device that you're listening to this through. <laughs> and again, just resolve to put any concerns of the world down and any kind of notifications aside for now. This time that you have to practice is very precious. It's not an opportunity that you want to waste. And we can first start by just overall bringing awareness to how you feel right now at this present moment. Feeling restless, are you feeling agitated, or are you feeling primed and ready to meditate? Is there any underlying feeling or mood that is permeating your existence right now. And whatever it is, good or bad, just notice it for exactly what it is right now. And likewise, you can notice all the different sensations of your body sitting here, the weight of your body against the seat, the different sensations coursing throughout the body, the tingling, kind of temperature, vibration. Whatever your experience is like, your emotional and physical experience right now, just try to accept it for exactly what it is. it is negative, don't try to push it away, just accept it for what it is. And if you feel positive, again, just merely accept it for what it is. 
And now you can turn your attention to whatever object of meditation you're most comfortable with. Be it observing the sensations through your body or observing the sensations of breathing or practicing counting the breath in pairs or a mantra or loving kindness, whatever object of meditation that you typically use, you can turn your attention to that now. But importantly, just try to relax and try to force your attention onto this thing, this object. Try to be more receptive of this object, if it is the breath or the sensations. This is a process that's already happening, so just merely notice it. You want to strike that nice balance between putting forth effort to keep your awareness on the breath or whatever object it is, but also that sense of relaxed ease and in a way effortlessness of just observing the objects for what it is. <coughs> Spend the next few moments just reining your attention in to this object.
If you typically only sit meditation for short periods of time, say five or ten minutes, and you're starting to notice yourself getting restless and maybe wanting to get up and wanting to finish the meditation or wanting to move around and find something else to do. Just try to be patient for a little longer. Try to sit meditation for a little bit longer than you usually do. Try to find a new personal best for yourself, even though it may feel uncomfortable. Just try to keep coming back to your object of meditation. Even though it may seem hopeless or useless, and that you've reached your limit, just try to keep going. If you need to change your posture and move, you can do that, there's no problem with that. Just try to keep your mind coming back to the object of your meditation. Try to at least stay seated for longer than what you usually would.
Again, if you do usually only sit for a shorter period of time and you're trying to push through and sit for a little longer, just know that it's okay to feel restless or bored or if you're starting to get sleepy or feeling lethargic. It's very normal that the mind kicks back and wants to do something else. Just try to be patient and stay with it. You may find it just all of a sudden something slips into gear and you can become very calm. It's like if you have a wild horse and you put it in a pen. It's going to run around, it's going to buck. It's going to do whatever it can to try to break out. But if the pen or the stable that it's in is well guarded, you can't get out. Eventually, even though it may run around and buck for a long time, eventually it'll run out of steam. It'll start to calm down. Likewise with your meditation. If you feel the mind reeling and pushing back and bucking and running around. Just try to be patient with this and make sure that you have a good pen of mindfulness on a particular object, just to always to try to come back to. And if you continue to do this, the mind will run out of steam and settle and know that it's in this pen that you've put up around it. So again, just the quality you're trying to develop is not just mindfulness, but also patience.
if you do notice some kind of discomfort or pain anywhere in the body, again, it's fine to adjust your posture and move a little bit. But it's also good at times to also just try to go against that natural inclination of wanting to get away from suffering. Just see if you do experience this kind of discomfort in the body, just to again try to develop a little bit of patience with it. Try to be patient with the pain and sit through it maybe a little bit longer than what you usually would. Obviously, you don't want to put yourself any, in any kind of excruciating pain. And, and if it is a sustained injury, say, for example, an ongoing back injury or something, you don't want to push against that. More if it's one of these general pains that come up just through, just through sitting meditation, Discomfort in the hips or the knees, the lower back. Again, just try to notice this pain for what it is. It's just something that arises. Something we usually want to get away from. But if we can... Be a little bit patient with our suffering. We'll see that it will pass.
final few minutes of the meditation, we'll just change the focus of our attention now from a normal object to try to recollect somebody in your life, somebody who's helped you in some way, somebody that's shown you a kindness. This could be a kindness that's either very small, kind word, assisting you in some small way, or somebody that has helped you out immensely with something very, very big. This could be a family member, be a friend, could be a stranger, could be somebody that teaches us Dhamma, somebody that guides the way for us and helps us out. Try to notice how lucky you are that you had somebody show you this kindness and helped you. Try to bring up this feeling of gratitude that you have for this person who's assisted you. This person that's given up some of their time, some of their resources, or generally some of their life just to help you. Try to well up this feeling of gratitude towards this individual. Try to have it fill up your heart. Try to have it seep in as part of your personality. This feeling of gratitude toward this person that's helped you. Think that if in some way that you could or can repay this kindness, that you do anything in your power to actually try to pay back this kindness that this person has showed you.
And now try to bring to mind a group of people that has helped you at some point. It doesn't have to be an overly large group. It may have just been one or two friends and could be any time in your life. But this group got together and helped you in some way. Again, try to imbue this feeling of gratitude in your heart towards these people. How fortunate you are that they had the kindness to help you. You may have been in dire need, may have been in the hospital and people came to visit you. Or it could have been celebratory. They came to wish you well on your birthday or on a special day. Again, try to have this feeling of gratitude overflow in your heart towards these people. Try to think that if there's any time in the future that I can repay this kindness in some way. May I have the opportunity to do that. Now try to bring to mind somebody that was maybe once in your life, but they're not anymore. You may have simply drifted apart, or you may have had some kind of falling out. You may have moved on, they may have moved on. for some reason you don't communicate anymore and there may even be feelings of resentment there as you think of this person also try to remember just one thing this person did for you one kind thing one helpful thing, 
however big or however small it was. You came together at one point in time. You had a relationship. You may have helped them and they likely did something good for you. So even though there may be a host of other complicated negative feelings there, just try to feel gratitude for this one thing that they did for you. Try to recollect that in any way, whatever has happened in the past, you can just let that go. And if you ever did have the opportunity to repay them that kindness, then you would. You can even just feel grateful you had this relationship and it may have taught you something. Try to let this feeling of gratitude swell up and overflow. Finally, think of your own life, your own existence, think about how lucky you are that you get the chance to actually experience life. Think of some of the wonderful things that you've done in your life. The relationships you may have had. You may have seen wonderful places, great works of art. Think how lucky you are to actually be experiencing life. 
probabilities of you being here, being you now, are almost impossible. But here you are. And you have this one precious existence right now. Sometimes it may be suffering. Sometimes it may be joyous. But you have it. Try to bring up a feeling of gratefulness. That you have this, you have this life. Again, think how lucky you are, how fortunate you are, just to have this. Bring up this feeling of gratefulness for this opportunity and try to think In whatever way my life is good and has meaning and those that have helped me in my life may in some way repay that in some way. So, when you're ready, you can change your posture and open your eyes. And if you do have any questions, you're more than welcome to write them, write them in the, the live chat.
any pressing life issues that you may have, you're more than welcome to ask them. Any questions about meditation, uh, more than welcome to ask them, or any questions in general, any kind of comments. Uh, they're also more than welcome as well. Whoever writes the first question is the closest to enlightenment. So hurry up and type a question. I don't know, I think everyone's reached enlightenment as a result of that session. They're just sitting there oh, great. in very quiet bliss. <laughs> just while we're waiting, hi. Uh, the meditation session tonight. Um, you know, had had a few new comments, and when I talk to people, sometimes most people say to me, maybe they don't actually meditate for that long. They might only do sort of five, five or ten minutes a day, and you know that's totally fine. Um, uh, but. Uh, um, you do whatever is you know uh, best for you, whatever you find fits into your schedule, and whatever time you have to do, you know that's you know that's that's fine to do. Um, but it's also good at times to actually try to you know lengthen that out a bit and maybe go against this natural inclination that we might have to you know just want to get up and distract ourselves and go and do something else. If you know you you do have that inclination where you want to move it is nice to just to try to push against that just a little bit not to the point where it's going to overly stress you out or anything but just going against it a little bit so maybe if you sit five minutes maybe you sit five minutes if you sit five minutes you can just try to extend it out a little bit we obviously we sit a little bit longer here so whatever you're comfortable with yeah as i said if it's five minutes or so you can try 10 minutes if it's 10 minutes you can try 15, but just try to keep increasing it little by little. And so I think we have a question now. Yes, we, we have two questions, Ajahn. Oh, okay. They two people want enlightenment. Together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first is uh, the eternal question in a way. Mm. Um, it says, uh, thank you so much, great meditation. Mm. How shall I treat my wandering thoughts or mind? Yeah, it's um well that was that was a something that that came up in the um when I was sort of going through the guided meditation as well. Um there's this aspect there's this aspect there where obviously we're trying to what we're trying to do in meditation is to bring our attention back to our object be it the breath and we're just constantly trying to do that. 
Um, and, you know, that can be a little bit uh, frustrating and all these kinds of things. But then there is this other aspect that I spoke about during the guided meditation is there's just times where you just need to be patient. Your mind can be all over the place and maybe whatever you try to do is not not settling it down in any way. So there is this aspect there that you have to just be patient with whatever is. As I alluded to in the guided meditation, it's like it's like if you have some kind of wild horse or something that's never really been trained and is, you know, likes to buck around and 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 be free and roam around and bucks and kicks and you know, smashes against the fence and all these kinds of things. But if you put it in a in a firm and stable, uh, uh, firm and stable stable doesn't work. Yeah. Firm and stable pen, uh, yeah, yeah, horse horse fence or whatever. If you put it within that confined, uh, it doesn't matter how long it, it bucks around and wants to run around. Eventually, it's going to run out of it's going to run out of steam and it's going to calm down at some point. Doesn't mean doesn't mean that because the horse is tired it's it's that it's now actually trained once you go in and try to grab it it's going to start to buck again it's going to start to jump around again um so you know you just have to be very very patient you have to leave it in there uh wait till it calms down and gently just try to keep keep trying to go in keep trying to train it keep trying to pet it so likewise with your you know your ever ever present wandering uh you know, you know rambling rambling distracted mind it's like this it's like this horse we just have to put it in this stable put it in the pen and so even though it's going to buck around as long as it's in this pen and our pen here is uh developing our mindfulness and trying to come back to our object continuously even though the mind's bucking around, we have this stability. We have this pen here of our mindfulness that, and eventually, if we keep it within that, it will eventually just calm down. It'll just, uh, uh, if we have enough patience, it'll eventually stop, and then we'll think, okay, it's stopped. It's great. Let's let's uh, you know, let's look at it. It's gonna buck. It's gonna buck again. So again, you just need patience with it, and patience, if, and eventually, it will actually calm down. So. So the the answer is you know, obviously we have our our particular meditation object that we just have to keep trying to do. But the main thing we really really need to develop with that is patience as well. Thank you, Ajahn. I think you've answered the second question mm. uh, at the same time, which was: <laughs> Are there benefits to meditation even when your mind keeps wandering? Yeah, yeah. So uh, an exact. Yeah, you're right. It's. It's um it's exactly that you're developing that quality of patience, um, and you're developing a quality of endurance, and you're developing a a quality of being there with suffering and not just reacting to it like you would in the normal way. Um, obviously, when we have some kind of suffering or discomfort, we want to get away from it. So in meditation, we're distracted um, and we want to get up and we want to move and we want to go and do something else. And that's our natural inclination. But just simply just sitting through it, you develop so many good qualities by actually doing that. Um, 
the Buddha, the Buddha said, Kanti Baramang Tapo Titika. This means Kanti or patience and endurance um, um, is is something that that what's the actual translation? Basically, it burns away, it, uh, burns away the defilements. So just developing this faculty of having patience with your with your with your wandering mind, you're you're actually developing something so much more there. I personally myself, um, I I I don't sort of think back on my many years of meditation and go, oh, I'm so glad I learned this technique. This was the thing that made it so good for me. Or I don't think back and go, this was a meditation retreat where something really, really good happened for me. What I generally look back on over the course of my years of meditation is all the the hard, terrible sits that I had. These, this, these, these brutal all night sessions where it's it's you're not quiet you're not calm you're falling asleep you're just trying your 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 body's your body's in so much pain and you're just trying to you want to do anything to wriggle out of that position but it's like no i just can't i can't move anymore my everything in my body's gone to sleep i can't do anything those are the meditation sessions that i've actually got more out of because i've developed more I've developed more of a resilience there and a resilience of not giving in to the mind when it wants to uh, buck and kick and, 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 and wants to spiral out of control. These, these are the sessions where you actually learn the most. It's not always the sessions where you have these deep, wondrous, profound, calm, happy, joyous states of mind, peaceful states of mind. You learn a lot from dealing with the with the the wiliness and the and the 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 arrogance and the petulance of the mind this is where you really actually do learn a lot and get a lot out of your meditation and for me that's when i've got the most is when when everything is is distracted and at its worst thank you very much ajahn i think a lot of us can relate to that yep Uh, we've we've all more, been there. <laughs> yes. Not the all-nighters, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there are two more questions at this stage. Yep. The next question is uh, from Cassandra from Sweden. Okay. I was wondering what makes a Buddha. I realized when I got the question the other day, I don't actually know. Thank you for the lovely wisdom from Ajahn Sadaru. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for tuning in from Sweden. I'm. I'm guessing it's... Daylight there at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well thank you for tuning in. So what makes a Buddha? Um there's so a Buddha is is somebody that has to build up a lot of parameters or a lot of uh accumulated spiritual merit over many, many lifetimes. And in particular there's ten parameters that uh somebody who wants to be a Buddha has to build. Um, it's late and I'm, 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 I can only think of a few, say they have to build the parameter of, of morality. They have to build a parameter of wisdom. They have to develop all these specific kinds of qualities over many, many lifetimes, um, to actually become a Buddha. Uh, and so what a Buddha 
actually is is somebody that becomes enlightened for themselves without a teacher so they see the dharma themselves um and uh, a part of uh, what you call a bodhisattva's vow when the when the Buddha to be is developing those ten paramis, is uh, they have the they have the 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 desire and the goal to actually uh, uh, become awakened to the Dhamma by themselves. And if there's two sorry there's two kinds of Buddhas. There's a Pacheka Buddha, that's a Buddha that doesn't teach, um, who becomes enlightened by himself without any other teacher. But he doesn't teach and he becomes a Buddha and he has all the, the different kinds of knowledges that the Buddha has. Then there's a then there's a Buddha that actually does teach, which would be like our current uh, current Buddha at the moment, Gautama Buddha, who again awakened to the Dhamma by himself, um, but also teaches the Dhamma as well and teaches it to other people too, for other people to actually become enlightened as well. So what makes a Buddha is somebody that has decided to build many of these uh, spiritual faculties over many, many lifetimes and has, has uh, decided to not become enlightened until they become a fully awakened Buddha and, and become enlightened to that by themselves. And some Buddhas will not teach and some will teach and we currently have a, you know, in the era where a Buddha that will teach. How lucky we are. Yeah. You can look up the ten, they're often called the ten perfections. Yeah, ten perfections, yeah. The ten yeah. perfections. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember lists very well at nine o'clock at night, so. <laughs> yes. And uh, the last question uh, for the night, Ajahn, mm. is uh, Namaste. Did the Buddha meditate after attaining in Nibbana also, and if so, why? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, like, uh, well, straight away after the Buddha became enlightened, he spent, it's sort of debated, but he spent another few weeks actually sitting in meditation. Um, after Straight after he became enlightened, he was doing it then. Um, uh, on his, you know, on his way to uh, Bernardo's to teach the the five aesthetics, he would stop along the way and, and sit meditation. Then, um, after he was teaching the five ascetics, there's there's the stories of the Buddha uh, actually teaching the five ascetics, and in the even in the first week after that, after he taught the uh, Dhammachaka Pawatana Sutta and taught the Anathalakana Sutta. Um, there's you know, reports of the Buddha continuing to to you know meditate and um, uh, you know walk uh, walk meditation in the early hours of the morning. It's said that the Buddha would um, yeah, what they call it the different watches of the night. So the first watch of the night, which is like six to ten, he would spend in meditation, and then ten to two, he would like lie down in the lion's pose and. Uh, which is on your right side, and and just and rest, and then in the last watch of the night, from so from like two to six in the morning, he would get up and 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 meditate and walk meditation, and so while the Buddha, uh, you know, or somebody that's become an arahat wouldn't you know doesn't technically need to meditate to get rid of the defilements that are in their mind anymore. They'd still um, 
it's some it's a it's a habit that's already been developed there and it's a habit of um and especially if you're the buddha or if you're an in uh, an arahant then you um then you you know have to have developed the jhanas and that's a way for you to actually uh to rest and recuperate in different kinds of ways and also also um, you know one of the you could say like the external reasons for doing it is that you know if the buddha just went okay i'm enlightened now so i don't meditate anymore that's you know that's obviously not setting a good example for any anybody else see you know um, uh, a buddha is as i said a buddha a teaching buddha is somebody who teaches and they don't only teach by by uh, the words and the sermons and the suttas that they talk about but they also teach by example um, they teach by their you know keeping good morality and uh, having good conduct and the way that they uh, compose themselves and comport themselves and in that is actually them doing meditation um you know leading you know leading whoever comes in meditation and teaching meditation and teaching the actual way so if they didn't meditate the buddha didn't meditate then they you know they they wouldn't be there to actually teach other people to meditate as well so while it's you know yeah. technically not necessary that they would meditate that the buddha would meditate after they've become enlightened and it's it's not needed you could say anymore it it is something that is you know uh you know helps them get some rest and also uh uh functions as a way to teach other people that they should be doing it as well right thank you so much ajahn that was our last question okay. we Very just good. want to thank everyone for joining us from right around the world asia europe and uh, the americas wow very so nice. A good coverage. Very nice. This evening. Thank you, Ajahn. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Okay. So th again, thank you all for thank you all for coming and being in different time zones. Um, again, just keep keep your eye out on the BSV website for uh, updates of uh, you know the different programs that we've got on, and uh, yeah, obviously for anybody that's in Melbourne um, when. Uh, you know when we'll be doing when we'll be doing things online or potentially opening but again just keep your eye on that um this sunday as i said there's a dhamma talk at nine o'clock in the morning i'll be giving that talk so if you feel like tuning in on a sunday morning you're more than be more than happy to uh to uh, have you there and if you can think of many questions during the week you can ask them on sunday as well so Okay, so with all that, I wish you all the best in your in your Dhamma practice. May you succeed in your practice and may everything in your life be well. Okay, Satup.